Well, good morning, Lifehouse. Um, I, I do realize that uh, there are some of you who might not know me. Uh, that's a good thing. That's, uh, that means we're growing, right? So there might be a few folks that don't have any idea who I am. And it's also because I'm just so bad at introducing myself to people. Um, so uh, my name's AJ. Uh, I'm a... That's where you go, hi... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm a lead team member here at Lifehouse. I lead our life track. I do announcements on Sunday mornings. Uh, personal... Um, fashion advisor to Pastor Drew and, um, and Braxton's best friend. So that is, those are all correct, right? 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 Okay. All right. <laughs> um, and so then the next question might be, all right, then why, why are you up here right now? P- Pastor Drew's right there, right? Uh, and so whenever he does uh, allow me to preach, he makes sure he's here just so he knows um, how to field the emails that'll, that'll come his way this week. So it's uh, Drew at LifeHouse.info if you need that. So, um, well, look, uh, we have been in a series in James, and we are not going to be any different today. So you can go ahead and get open or pull your phones out and get to James chapter 1, and we are going to be in verse 9 today. And so, um, you know, last week, Pastor Drew talked about troubles and the troubles in our lives and how God can use those. And so I think this week, as we go further into James, you're going to see that we're going to dig into kind of a specific trial or trouble that you might encounter. And so, uh, you know, I think um, before we dig into that, though, if you guys would uh, pray with me and pray for me, I would absolutely love that. Father, um, I'm so thankful to be able to have the opportunity to come up here and, and speak and um, spend time preparing and getting to know what it is that you have for me, but also for everyone that is joining us this morning. And so I would just ask that people would not see or hear me this morning, but they, they would hear somewhere in there the exact thing that you had for each and every one of them, and that no matter how much I feel like I can mess it up or I could say the wrong things, everything said is exactly as you planned it and as you wanted it, and everybody hears exactly what you have for them. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we get into verse 9, I think you're going to notice that it kind of feels like James has just changed topics completely out of nowhere, right? Like, uh, and Pastor Drew talked about this last week, that the book of James is written in a format that's a little closer to Proverbs, so it can feel a little jumpy at times. Um, but, you know, he's talking about troubles and trials and all of these things. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's talking about money. So like a church, I guess. No. Um, so, no, is that not? Nope. Okay. All right. Um, so he, <laughs> um, I put a maybe next to that joke. We have a second service. I can take it out. It's fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, all of a sudden, it feels like he's talking about money. And so he does that for like two or three verses and then right back into what we're actually going to talk about. And so, um, you know, this week he is going to, we're going to dig into a specific trial that we may deal with that I know every single one of us deals with. Um, But first, I I think we need to break down what he talks about in these first couple of verses and see that although it may seem like he's jumping ship for a second, that it fits right into where he's about to go. And so we'll start in verse 9 where it says, believers who are poor 
have something to boast about for God has honored them. So all the broke people just got super excited in the room, which is cool, right? That's good. Um, so all the broke folks are pumped. They're going to go home on their iPhone 13 and, um, and make a scripture image about that verse and post it and say blessed hashtag or whatever. Um, so look, just to be clear, we, we don't understand the poor that is said in this verse, right? This is impoverished. This is not just poor, but, and again, Pastor Drew talked about this for a second last week. This is, this is a level of nothingness because of their faith, most likely, right? Most likely, their decision to follow Jesus has led to, to them not being able to even make income in some places. And so this, this level of impoverished, we, we could never understand. This is not broke, okay? We, we will always have more than what this poor is referenced to. And that's not to say that we have not all gone through some difficult situations or circumstances from a financial perspective. Um, but but this, is, this is just something that, that we could not understand from a level of poor. I think we read this and don't quite understand that aspect of what they mean when they say poor. And so they do continue to speak about money in verse 10. It says, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. Again, the broke people are excited, right? They're like, that's right. I'm not rich like you all, right? So, but again, these, the, the people who are rich in this time, you know, are most likely if they have chosen to follow Jesus, there's a good chance some of the poor folks we just talked about were rich folks at one time, right? And they lost everything because they chose to follow Jesus. And so, you know, yes, he is saying that both those who are poor who have nothing because of me and those who are rich who lost everything or could lose everything because of me, uh, both matter the same to me, right? And so, you know, however, these people who seem like two totally opposite sides of the spectrum, there is a good chance they got where they are for the same exact reason. Um, And so, you know, many of them are where they are because they chose to follow Jesus. And that loss could define them if they let it. And so our losses in life could define us. And so, you know, as a, as a person who is, is, is brutally honest at times, you know, I think we all go through a lot of stuff. I think we go through, we go through losses and wins, and both of those things we could let define us, right? Um, you know, I just got a promotion this week, and I'm super excited about it, and it's super awesome, um, but it doesn't, it really changes nothing of who I am and whose I am, Right? And so our wins and our losses don't define us, but I think sometimes we allow them, especially our losses. And so, like I said, as someone who's pretty transparent, I've had a lot of losses in my life, a lot of them. And I think I realized um, I'm in a group on, on uh, Wednesday nights with uh, a group of men here at church, and I, I won't say the specific things, but there was someone talking about something they were going through, and then I asked a question to the whole group about Uh, whether or not they also had gone through that. Really thinking one or two might raise their hands, knowing I would be one of them. Um, And like three quarters of the room raised their hands. And so I think a lot of times these losses that we we think define us, so many people have gone through, right? 
And so the losses, like I said, I'm a transparent guy, right? I've had overdraft fees on my account because I was so broke, broke, not poor, but broke, that I couldn't pay my bills or buy groceries. I've, I have uh, been divorced, right? Uh, again, drew at lifehouse.info if that's a problem. But, um, so, um, but, but I've been divorced. And, then, and after that divorce, I lost my job. And then I moved into my parents' basement. We called it apartment B because it sounded cooler, but it was my parents' basement, right? Um, I've, I've had a house foreclosed on. I've had cars repossessed. I've, I have gone through all of these things. I have been fired, not twice, but thrice, dare I say, right? Um, I've had a lot of these losses in my life, um, and I could have let every single one of those define me. And so if you get nothing else from this, if this is for you, the things you are going through, the things you have gone through, good or bad, they do not define who you are. Only Jesus can do that, right? And so we read this scripture and we think it's a money thing, right? He's talking about poor, he's talking about rich, he's talking about all those things. But this isn't a money thing that he's referring to. This is a heart thing, right? Poor or rich doesn't change who we are in here and surely doesn't change what God thinks about us. So God has blessed the woman at the well just like he has the king in a castle. And your station in life doesn't change or limit God's use for it. And so we want to focus on the, the money or the financial piece of this, right? But as we go into verse 11, it, it, it digs a little deeper into uh, relying on those things. It says, The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. You know, we commonly rely on the things that we are rich in to give us purpose and passion. And I don't just mean wealth, right? That's, we can be rich in wealth, rich in skills, rich in looks, personality, um, all of these things, right? We all have things we are rich in, and we could use those things to define us, but those things are fleeting, right? Here today, gone tomorrow, but God, on the other hand, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here's how I know this, how I know those things we are rich in do not define us, and especially don't define us in the eyes of God, right? We have Dawn over here, who is rich in musical talent, right? We can all agree on that, right? right? I sit in the front row so I can, I can hear his talent and I can hear everyone behind me, you know? So not everyone has that talent, right? <laughs> Wendy, I'm not talking about you. That could sound like a real direct shot and I'm not, you sing beautifully, right? But, but, but Dawn is so rich in musical talent, and many of us are not. Does God then love us less because we are not and He is? Right? Lori loves kids. I don't really. I, I love our child that's coming. That's not, that's not, it's other people's kids. No. Um, so, so um, but that doesn't mean that God loves me any less or any more than he loves Lori, right? Pastor Drew has a gift for preaching. You are all learning. I do not, right? <laughs> That's okay. God does not love me any less or any more than he loves Pastor Drew, right? 
Julie Underwood, gorgeous, right? The rest of us, okay, right? right? So God does not love us any more or any less than he loves Julie, right? And those aren't bad things. Those are all great things, right? All of those things that they are rich in are great, but they do not identify who they are. It's just something that they have been blessed to be able to do. And what happens is, if we read this verse, or if we focus on the things we are rich in, we miss, we're so focused on the money that we miss the message inside of that scripture. And so that, those verses right there are not about money. They're about what's coming, right? And what we're about to dig into is the trouble and trials of temptation. And temptation, all of us suffer from and with, and it is tough. It is a battle. And, and if we don't have our heart right, if we're focused on these things that we think make us who we are and not focus on the heart of the matter and whose we are, we are going to lose that battle. And so let's not focus on money when we read that, but instead focus on where our value comes from so that when temptation comes, we know where to run right? Many of us have grief shopped before, right? Or whatever there might, right? We've done these things and that does nothing for us. And so we have to remember whose we are because temptation is tough. It's a battle. And I have a video that will show a little bit of how difficult temptation is for us. Maybe. Sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you two, another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. I'm gonna go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. Uh, it smells really good. It's up to you. You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? Okay.
tonight, so I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. <laughs> Temptation, right? Temptation is tough. And so um, if you were here last time I preached, I preached on sin. This week I get temptation, you know, because I'm the fun guy. So, um, so that's where we are going to go. So let's go to verse 12. And verse 12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Uh, this verse does not say that those who have never been tempted will be blessed. It does not even say those who super easily get over temptation will be blessed, right? It says that those who endure temptation, there is a special gift for them, just like in the video, right? Hopefully better than a second marshmallow, um, but, but there, is a, there is a special gift for those who endure temptation. You know, one of the phrases that I say often is anytime you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. At all times, doesn't matter what it is, if you say yes to doing something, you're saying no to doing something else. My spiritual gift is saying yes, so I understand the pain of this, right? Um, but in the reverse, every time you say no to temptation is saying yes to God right? And in, in this verse, he talks about at the end, it says, afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. If we were honest with ourselves, right? We all have our temptations that we face, and they're different for everyone. The reason we do not succumb to those temptations whenever we happen to win that battle is probably more out of fear of the outcome of what might happen, right? Fear of getting caught, fear of being embarrassed, fear of what we might lose, what the damage to someone else might be. Uh, fear is so often our motive for resisting temptation. However, the best, the best motive for resisting temptation is love. More importantly, the best motivation for resisting temptation is loving him. And to love him with greater power and passion than your love for whatever that sin is. And so we shouldn't be scared to not do the things we are tempted to do. We should love God more than those things that are tempting us. Which, again, is, is easier said than done, and I think we'll learn why it's a little more difficult than just making that statement as we keep reading into this. So we, we go into, into 13, right? And we're going we're gonna to learn here that um, the reason we should not give in to those temptations because we love God is because we understand that those temptations are not God's plan for our life. And so in 13, he says, remember, 
When you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it it gives birth to death. And so, look, that first line uh, is probably something we've all said and could probably be translated into excuses, 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 right? That's really what it is. Like, it's just like us that when we do something wrong, we point the finger or make the excuse as to who got it, whose fault that was, or who put that there, or whatever it might be, right? So often, we want to point that finger. And yes, I understand the mindset behind that statement, but, but we have got to understand when we are battling temptation, that temptation is a you problem, not a God problem. And I know that's tough to hear, but the reason that I know that temptation is a me problem and not a God problem is there are things that tempt you that do not tempt me and things that tempt me that don't tempt you, right? Those things are already in us. When we preached, when I spoke about sin, I talked about sin being our nature, right? These things are a part of, unfortunately, who we are as humans, right? And so, you know, I think that when we ask questions or or point fingers like this, we can so often think that God is the one trying to tempt us, right? But God might test us. He does not tempt us. And I'm going to tell you what the difference between that is, and here it is. Any of you parents? Okay. How many of you have asked your kids a question you already knew the answer to, right? right? In order to see what answer they were going to give you, right? Your desire was not for your child to lie to you, right? And whenever they don't lie to you, what often happens? Right? Exactly, right? So that's the best illustration I can give you for this idea that, that God is not trying to tempt us. His plan for our life is not to succumb to these temptations. Just like in that situation, no parent wants their child to lie to them, right? They're actually inside probably a little excited when they don't because they want their child to tell the truth. But unfortunately, sin's in our nature. It's in our head already. And so um, have any of you ever read a book called The Screwtape Letters? Okay, so it's a, it's a book full of fictional letters between basically um, a, an older demon and a younger demon, and they're kind of trying to, he's telling them the problems he's having as a demon, the other one's trying to give him advice on how to do it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great book. Yes, it is fictional, but the lessons that are inside of it are amazing. And one of the things, uh, a quote from in there that says, it is funny how mortals always picture us putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. We can give Satan some of the credit for temptation, but it works because of our own sinful nature. It works because of what's already in there. It works because we don't allow God in when those things happen, and we don't run to him and go to him, right? That misleading, that deception, that's Satan's strategy. It says it in the next verse in 16. It says, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. We have to remember, 
in these moments of temptation that this is Satan, and Satan has one purpose. We know it in John 10.10, that he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. There is no other purpose that Satan has for our life than to do that. And so we have to remember that that is the purpose of these things that are being put in front of us. And when those happen, we have to run to the right place, right? That is our, our battle as believers, is these temptations and the things that are in our head and our sinful nature. And look, it's a pretty, it's a tough battle, right? It's a battle that if we were all honest with ourselves, we probably lose more than we win, to be honest with you, right? It's a tough battle. But as we go further, there's good news in this battle. And as we go into verse 17, and it says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. I love that last line, that we became his prized possession. Being a believer is not just about this battle. We so often make it about all the things we can't do or all the things that are more difficult for us or, or the rules we have to follow or the things like this, right? God wants good things for us and has good things for us. And the greatest gift he can give us, it's measured on an, an eternal scale, not a today scale. These you know, even in the middle of these trials and temptations, we can rest on love, on God's love, and on the good and amazing things and the gifts that he has for us. Because those things, in my experience, are never more evident than when I endure those temptations, right? And every temptation we give into, and we allow Satan to I will say manipulate us a bit, but, but I started that sentence with we allow, right? Pulls us further and further away from his love. And so we, you know, even in the middle of those temptations, we have to run to God and dig into those things. And so what in here, you know, last week, Pastor Drew told us what James was telling us about God. This week, we want to know what James is telling us about temptation. And so, quickly, I'll wrap this up. There will be plenty of time for fellowship today. You're welcome. Um, so, um, three things that James is telling us about temptation. Um, number one, temptation is a chance to run to God, not from Him. Right? Uh, love is the motive to not succumb to temptation. Right? The reason you are, these are as hard as it is to see, these are opportunities, right? These trials, this battle, these things that are happening, these are opportunities to run to God and be closer to Him and receive the blessings that come from enduring these temptations. Secondly, a lot of factors come into play with temptation. We've talked about God who will. He, he will try us, right? We, we talked about doing that for our own kids. Um, and then there's Satan who will tempt us and we'll be allowed to do that by God. Um, but, but no factor in temptation is greater than ourselves. 
and how we choose to react and go and what direction we choose to go when we are tempted. And I want you to know, so feeling tempted doesn't make you a bad person or a weak Christian. It just makes you a human. In 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 13, it says, No temptation overtaken you has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. You're not a bad person because you're tempted. You're not a bad Christian because you are tempted. You woke up today. That's why you're tempted, right? And I would even go out on a limb and say, you chose to follow Jesus, which doesn't make the tempter very happy. And so you cannot let those things that are tempting you and even the things you succumb to, to identify you, to change in your mind uh, who you are and whose you are. And so third, if you are currently struggling with temptation, which I'd go out on a limb and say many of us are, um, God has good things for you and good things for your life but you've got to run to him in those things. That temptation, the things you struggle with, the things that you have battled with, do not define who you are. And if we go all the way back to the beginning, neither does your status, your riches, your circumstances, or the temptations that you have. The way to battle temptation is to run to God, is to love God, it's not to be scared of the you know, things that could happen because of those temptations, and it's not to run to the things that, that this world tells you you can find solace in. And so um, today, you, are gonna, you have the opportunity to run to God, to take those temptations and give them to Him. So um, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. So if everybody will stand with me and let's, let's close our eyes for just a second. Um, I, don't, I don't want anybody looking because I feel like we can, this is a judgy thing, right? We could feel like if we raise our hand and say we're dealing with temptation, someone's going to judge me for that. And, and, and I, first off, I would tell you nobody here is going to judge you for that. But I understand how that can be uncomfortable. And so um, I, I want to start with, with from the very beginning. If you don't know the God you can run to in those circumstances, I want you to meet him today. So that when you leave this place and you are tempted, you know exactly who to run to. You know exactly who you are. And you can feel a love that gets stronger when you endure those temptations. So if there is anybody here today who does not know that God, who is struggling with the temptations in life, and, and those temptations are honestly wrecking your life. They are hurting your friendships. They are hurting your marriage. They are hurting your, 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 your job. They are causing more damage than the quick, small pleasure they might give or joy they might find, right? So often temptation is just exchanging short-term pleasure for the long-term goal. And the long-term goal in your life is not temptation, but it is blessings and gifts from your Father. 
And so today, if you don't know that God and you are so tired from battling those temptations and you want to experience running to God rather than running to all these other things, slip your hand up for me. Secondly, right? If you know that God, but maybe you have a temptation that you've been too scared to give him, too scared to talk about, too scared to confront and battle, and you just let it happen in your life. And today, you want to run to God You want to quit living in fear of that temptation and instead want to live in the love of God. And you want to give that temptation to him. The temptation that is in your life that you have battled with for so long. Raise your hand for me. Awesome. So, look, Dawn is going to play something for us. We're going to continue to worship. Um, all those folks that raise their hands. God is right here ready to meet you. You did not come here this morning because the coffee's great, although I'm sure it's fabulous, right? You did not come here for free bottles of water and the candy bar that comes in the first time guest gift. You are here this morning for a reason. You are here this morning to encounter a God that wants to be with you as you endure these temptations. I cannot tell you that if you just raised your hand, God is here to just completely take that temptation away. He even says in what we just read, you're going to endure them. But there are blessings and gifts that God has for you by going through that, by having the endurance to get through it, and by doing that with the motive of loving God not afraid of what this world might say. And so you came here today to be able to encounter that God. So as as Dawn goes into worship for just a moment, our altar team has come forward. I encourage you. Again, nobody's asking, nobody's judging, none of those things. But God wants to meet you down here. And there are altar team members that want to pray for you, that want to be there for you. And whether that just means praying today so that you can leave here knowing that God loves you and wants you to endure those things, or if you want a partner in battling this beyond today, someone that knows God and knows how good he is and wants to be there with you on that, this altar team can be that as well. So I encourage you, go to battle this morning for those temptations and go to battle because what you love And whose you are is far greater than the temporary pleasure or happiness.